0: Thank you, both Nathaniel and Veronica. I think just hearing both of the, the needs um, from both of you individual makes just reminds me of how thankful I am that the Lord is, has provided different ministries to minister to children. Uh, You'll notice that that's a common thread in both of them is that they're uh, ministering to little ones, that um, some of them whether they're in the local area or beyond. Uh, we're thankful that the Lord has raised up people here uh and that are willing to go locally serving here in our community as well as going to other countries and serve there as well um and it is a great thing george whitfield when he was around one of the things that he used to do when he was you know pastoring all over the place he would do the same thing as what veronica's doing he was raise support he'll build orphanages and he used that as a means to win people to christ and jesus of, and even I think the Old Testament it speaks a lot about how God has a unique love for little ones. Um, so if it is your desire to serve with that KitKat or to support Veronica, uh, please let each of them know. And, um, and even before we start our time of s- preaching and studying the Word, I want to pray for both of these ministries. Father God, we're grateful uh, for KitKat and for uh, the ministry that Veronica is going to be on. We pray for people in our church as we serve uh, the the kids here in sf uh, that you would use the uh, each of the members in sf to in, in kitkat to minister to them and we hope that as they develop relationships with them that they're able to uh, foster gospel opportunities uh, some might be just ministering to kids others might be the kids and the parents as well uh, may you raise the people in our church to be able to do uh, just that to meet the needs and to uh, make disciples of all nations <clears throat> and we also want to pray for veronica as she travels in a month or so we hope that uh you give her gospel opportunities as well uh that there will be um that with all the little ones that she's in, that she will encounter uh, that they'll ask the question why are you doing this why are you showing so much kindness and love towards them um that she can use this as a catalyst to share the gospel or uh bless her ministry and watch over her and may she be may she and her team be able to go there and return safely Lord now as we go into your word may our heart be focused and be transformed by it so that we can honor you with our life thank you for the sign that we have in your son's precious name Amen If you have your Bibles please open to John chapter 14 That was an open bottle, I almost drank that (laughs) John chapter 14. We're going to look at just three verses, John chapter 14 verse one to 3. It reads this, "Do not let your heart be troubled. believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go prepare for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. Just a little background about our little series as we've been doing this last this last few weeks. Um, I I decided to take the month of June to just do a little bit more of these shepherding moments where I talk about different topics, uh, topics that's been in my heart as I just kind of survey not just our church but as you know the church as a whole from just other churches. Um, a few weeks ago, I, t- I preached on the Christian, Christianity versus intersectionality. And this idea that the Christian's main identity is not necessarily on the immutable attributes, meaning things like your ethnicity or your gender, but our chief identity is in Jesus Christ. Uh, and the reason why I talk about that is because there's been just a lot of division over this topic and social justice issues that people maybe put, overemphasize certain issues over gospel truths and i think i wanted to make sure that we understand that our greatest identity is only found in jesus christ that our greatest hope and everything that we are is is found and rooted in the scriptures last week i preached on james chapter 4 about how christians should not be fighting against one another Uh, there's just been so much divisiveness over everything that you can think about whether it's it is whether it is the social justice issues or vaccines or masks and COVID and all of these different things just been so polarizing in the world and sadly has gone into the church that there has been tremendous amount of church splits and people leaving the church and there's just all this infighting over in a lot of ways just preferences Um, and I was trying to charge all of us to remember that our that because we are the body of christ because we are uh, the church the bride of christ that we need to have unity that we need to strive to live in harmony with one another that's not to say that you guys can have disagreements or different preferences but you lay those things aside when it comes to the unity that we found in christ now today i'm going to talk about death um, and how the fear of death is the reason why we are so crippled in our world. And I think now, especially since things are opening up, uh, there's vaccines, there's masses, it seems like for at least us here in San Francisco, things are going back to normal, relatively speaking. You know, Things are opening up, we can eat at restaurants, um, you know, there's these things that seem normal again. But in light of all the statistics, in light of all the vaccines, there's still a part of people in our fellowship group, people in our church, and just in general, where Christians are still afraid. And that's where I want to attack. And not just so much about, you know, whether or not you wear masks or get vaccines. That's kind of secondary to me. Because you can have all of those things, but yet still be afraid of living for the glory of God. I really want to just shepherd the, the heart issues here. I want you to think about: are you afraid? I know some of you are here, so you might have this fault like a sense of assurance, like, yeah, I'm not afraid. Um, but there are still those within our body and our church that are struggling. And if this is not you, then I hope that this is designed to equip you to help them think through things, think through it biblically. As Christians, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be people of the truth. So that means we operate off of a different worldview from the world. The world thinks a certain way, they're paranoid about certain things, but us as Christians, we have complete assurance and joy and security because we worship the one true living God. This portion of scripture that I read, is a familiar passage to most of us. This is, um, the, this is actually where one of the the six, uh, well, there's seven I am statements. I am the bread. I am the light. I am the door. I am the resurrection. I am the good shepherd. And here at the very, at the very end of verse, beginning of verse six is I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the and there's one later in that says that I am the true vine in chapter 15. But this is this is a really important portion of scripture all scripture is important but this particular portion is unique in the context of the apostles that were sitting under the teaching of our savior this is this unique claim that jesus has here he's telling everyone that he is the only way to salvation that you don't need to be afraid of death because you can find your hope and life in jesus christ to follow Jesus is not one of the many things uh, that you can go to. It's not, it's not like how Rome's all, roads lead to, uh, all roads lead to Rome, and, and some people think that in the religious sense, all road leads to heaven. No, that's not the case. We as Christians are people to have the only way, and that is Jesus Christ. In fact, early on in the book of Acts, we see that that's actually how Christians were described at first. They were known as the way. And that, like, they were the only ones that believed that they are the only ones that have this monotheistic religion that they worship, this triune God. That was very unique at the time. And people known, people knew the Christians as the way. Uh, I, I kind of wish we'd call that, you know, instead of fighting for the title evangelicals, we just call ourselves the way. Because we're the only ones that have the truth. We're the ones that are telling people that the only way to salvation is Jesus Christ. And this is a perfectly clear and concise conclusion that Jesus tells everyone that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can get to the Father but through him. Now, I'm using this text to give us assurance in this life because what you know about death is going to impact the way that you live. What, you, what, what the truths that you believe and what you think about is going to impact your day to day. So if you have a high view of Christ and a high view of what heaven is like, then you're not going to be so afraid of what, about what happens to you in this life. Because you know that at the end of this life, you have paradise. But if you have a low view of heaven, a high view of living in this world, then death is terrifying for you. It's horrifying because you treasure the things of this world more than the things that is to come for the Christian. And COVID has... This whole year has kind of made us paranoid about everything, right? We're like afraid of, of being sneezed on and, or, or people getting too close. Or, and it's been, it's this very, I would think it's like a masterstroke from the devil to try to get people away from each other so that they cannot fellowship with each other, so that they cannot do evangelism. This is like a genius move. But again, as I said, I'm not, this is not a call for you to be reckless. I'm just saying that in the, in the context that we're in right now, with things getting better and things are opening up, we need to be brave. We need to be bold. And we not, we, most importantly, we need to not fear death. Because when you fear death, you're going to be crippled from doing what God wants you to do in, in terms of honoring him with your life. Remember, though, the type of future that we will have, <coughs> the outlook that we have will impact us the moment in the moment that we live right now in some ways this sermon here is, is really designed for you to unravel that fear i know that last year you know it's been hard right like you're just hearing different things there's different specialists saying these things and doctors saying that and you just hear all of these conflicting advice and it, it, it causes confusion and often confusion leads to fear and i want to help undo that in our life that the fear that you need, that you have in your life, that you need to cast those things aside and to believe in Jesus Christ. In the context of this book, the the passage I'm reading, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is the last night that he's going to spend teaching and fellowshipping with them. Uh, The disciples gave up everything to follow Jesus, and he's telling them, I'm going to leave you. Now, you have to imagine that the apostles here, they were they're with Jesus. They, they gave up their careers. Some of them gave up their relationship with other people to follow Christ. And now he's saying, oh, I'm not going to leave you guys. That's a very terrifying thing. This is this is farewell message to them, and they're afraid. Chapter 13 begins with the Lord's Supper, and he washes their feet. And, uh, you know, he tells them that you need to wash your whole, uh, that, that, you know, they're wondering, how come Jesus, why are you washing this person's feet? And he said, if he doesn't wash them, they have no part with him. And then Peter, the one who, you know, the one that speaks kind of like very rash, he's like, oh, then in, the case, in that case, wash, wash my whole body as well. Uh, in their pride, they focused on themselves instead of, um, you know, humbly serving and, seeing, and you know, seeing the model that Christ has demonstrated humbles them. And then they, they talk, and Jesus makes this announcement that all of them will eventually betray them. All of them will leave. And then even, in fact, one of them is going to betray them. I'm just trying to imagine what it's like being a disciple sitting there and Jesus telling them, Hey, one of you guys are going to betray me. And then the disciples thinking, Who is it? And then he's like, Okay, Judas, get out of the way. Okay, who is it? Who's going to betray you, Jesus? And then of all the disciples, Peter says, Okay, all these guys that are here, they're going to deny you, but I am not going to deny you, Jesus. And at the end of chapter 13, Jesus tells him, uh, Jesus answered um, that he, Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Now, Peter was the chief of the of the group, right? He's the leader, right? Of, of all the apostles, he was the leader. And if the leader was going to leave him, and all, then what hope is there for the rest of them? Like, Judas just, for some reason, went out of the room. They didn't know that Judas was going to betray them. And all of a sudden, they get this message from Jesus saying, like, you're all going to betray me and... Your main leader, the one that I disciple the most, one of the guys I disciple the most, is going to deny me three times before the, 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 you know, the, the chicken makes a noise. So they're afraid. They're afraid. They don't know what to think of all this. They fear that if, if we, we gave up everything to follow you, Jesus, and now you're going to go away, how are we going to function in this life? And honestly, their greatest fear is not humiliation. Their fear is that they will die. Their greatest fear is that they'll die without Christ. Like, over and over again, they've seen Jesus do all these miraculous things. So there was a storm. Right? They're in the boat with Jesus. They thought they were going to drown. And Jesus already told them beforehand, no, don't worry. You're going to have all of this ministry to, uh, to all these different people. And they forgot when they're in that boat and it's rocking back and forth. And Jesus was sleeping. And then Jesus calms the storm. Right? And they, they've seen Jesus do all of these miracles. That they understand that when you're near Jesus, you're safe. When you're close to Jesus, that you're safe. So they're wondering, if Jesus is gone, then my safety net is gone that i am going to die but jesus promised them that the, he's going to put the holy spirit in them he's going to send a helper for them at the time you know they, they're still not getting it they're still thinking well i i where, so so where are you going jesus where are you going to go and jesus tells them that you, know, you need to love one another and to continue to follow christ jesus keeps telling them that, that he's leaving he's going to go away and they're afraid now, again, using this as a backdrop for where we're at, I think for some of us, we're not really afraid of COVID. We're afraid of what COVID does to us, right? We're afraid of what happens if we are infected and tested positive and it kills us. Really, death is the same fear that we have, just like the apostles. You know, before we judge and think, oh, you have Jesus around you. Why are you afraid? Understand that the promises that Jesus made for them is the same that he's made for us as well. That the Holy Spirit is indwelling in us as Christians, we don't need to be afraid, that we can live life to its fullest for the glory of God. So let's begin looking at this passage here. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus tells them, do not be troubled. And, you know, again, they're, they're, they're anxious. They're scared. And He tries to comfort them by telling them to stop worrying. He comforts them even though he's leaving them. Uh, they've committed their lives to follow jesus and they don't know what to do without him and this phrase do not let your heart be troubled you could be trans you could translate it don't be don't be intimidated by the situation stop worrying about what's going on right now in this heart this word heart here don't be let don't let your heart be troubled the heart is the the fulcrum of feeling and faith of the person And we understand the language here. Back then they used probably different words and ideas, but this is one of those words that in the English translation we get. Don't let your heart be bothered by this. If you want a cure for fear, you need to commit yourself to override it with truth. In order to overcome fear, you need to override it with truth. Now, I know that in this whole pandemic, there's been a whole lot of things, perspectives on how to deal with COVID. And whether you take it as like, oh, this is very lethal or not, it doesn't matter. Because the reality is that everyone's going to die. And if you understand that truth, then it doesn't really matter how severe or how not, or, or what, however you interpret the, the, the virus. Because in the end, you're not gonna be afraid of it. That's not gonna be the, the thing that determines how you function in this world, because you decide that I'm going to commit and trust Jesus with my life. The remedy for fear is not to stop fearing but, it's, but there's an action that's involved. We are, we're called to believe in Jesus, trust in God and in Jesus. Now, there's something in the English that doesn't really convey, but the original does. You see that it says, do not let your heart be troubled. That's actually an imperative. It's a command. Jesus is telling them, stop being afraid. And, the, and then you notice the word believe in God. That's also imperative. He t- he's commanding them to believe in God. But this last phrase here, believe also in me, that's in the perfect, in the present tense, meaning continue to believe in me. So if you were to translate this as stop, being, stop letting your heart be troubled, believe in God, and continue to believe in me. This is what we're called to do. You know how we, in counseling, we call it the put off and put on principle. You put off stealing, you put on giving. Right? Stop stealing people's stuff and start working and give. That's the, that's the antidote of stealing. Um, and this is the same way. Stop being afraid, but put on trusting in Jesus Christ. Stop being afraid of what's going on around you, of the things that you hear, but trust in Christ. God's word is always going to uh, is always going to be is always going to come true. Paul speaks of this about trusting in the in the words of God in Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four, Paul gives this model of faith in Abraham. Let me just read this to you. Romans chapter four verse Romans chapter four verse sixteen. For this reason it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are in the faith of Abraham, who is a father of us all. So Paul's understanding, like, okay, you believe in Jesus Christ, that faith that you have is the same as one Abraham has. Verse 17. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you the presence of him whom he believed even god who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist in hope against he in hope against hope he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which he had spoken so shall your descendants be without becoming weak in faith he contemplated in his own body now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old the deadness of sarah's womb so he's like okay god told me that i'm going to be father of many nations i'm a hundred years old my wife is old and that's something you do not want to talk about you know say about your wife but abraham said it. he said my wife is old i'm old we can't have kids but he still believed he and he didn't believe in the he didn't trust the, the physical part of him He's like you know objectively we're, we're, we can't make babies anymore even scientifically it doesn't make any sense but i trust and believe in god's word verse 20 Yet with, respect to, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was also credit to him as righteousness. See, this is what Abraham had. He, he trusted in God's word. And he knew that whatever was going to happen, God was going to make it happen. However it was going to come about, he doesn't know. There's no assurance of how, the little details. But he knows that God is worthy of his trust and his faith. The Christian faith defies human logic. And this is what we're called to be. We're called to believe in a God that whose ways are higher than ours. Christians, brothers and sisters, do you trust and the promises in the word of God. A few weeks ago, my daughter finished her swimming lessons, and every time she goes, I, every time they come home, I'll ask Kelly, "Hey, uh, how how did it go? How did how was swimming lessons?" And then they'll say, "Good," and, and it's, "Oh, did she, did she learn how to swim?" She's like, not yet. And then almost without fail, uh, Kelly will tell me, "Oh, yeah." She, she was too afraid to swim to the, the teacher again. It's like, oh, again, Ruby's like, yeah, it's scary. And she doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to swim to the instructor and ask her why it's like, scary. And you know, it's not like the instructor was, the thing that he was saying was not true. Like, you know, he, she's, he's, this instructor was taught, taught Ruby. Like, this is how you paddle. This is how you move your hands. This is how you stay afloat. Um, but when the instructor told him, hey, come to me, I, I'll catch you, don't worry, I'll, get, I'll, I'll come to me. Ruby will freak out in the pool in front of everyone. It's embarrassing. I'm glad I'm not there. (laughs) But it wasn't because the the, um, it wasn't because the instructor was not reliable. It wasn't because that what he was saying was unclear to my daughter. No, it was the object of the person that was saying those things. My daughter did not have faith in the person. It wasn't based on his credentials. It wasn't based on his ability. It wasn't based on her comprehension of what he was saying. She just did not trust him. There was no trust in him. And that's how, unfortunately, how we are to the Lord, right? We, we hear God's word through scripture. We understand what he's saying. It's clear to our minds, but yet when we waver in our faith, when we are troubled, it's because we don't tr- have faith, we don't have trust and faith in the object of who's telling us these things. If you believe that the word of God is from God, is divinely inspired by him, and every single word is, is by the Lord, then you need to trust in the author of that. So when God promises us that, hey, there is going to be a better tomorrow for us as Christians, that's the faith that you need to have, to trust in God's word regardless of how messed up the world is. Yes, this is a hard world. Yes, this is going, there's going to be not just one um, virus or, or a pandemic. There's going to be more to come in the future. Just, we live in a fallen world, get used to it. But we, that, doesn't, that should not waver our faith. You may not have a problem hearing the word, but you fail to understand that the, per, the, the, the person who's telling you these things is the Lord. If Jesus is truly the one you trust in, then you don't need to fear death. Look to Jesus and do what the Father has said, to trust in him. The Lord tells us not to worry, but trust in his word and to trust in him the bible tells us that this life is not all that there is right for the christian we understand that we, we understand intellectually that's true but do you believe it in your heart so that you will not fear what happens to you in this life think back at who jesus was talking to peter was told that he was going to deny jesus the disciples were told that one of them will betray them and they're all going to be hated on account of jesus christ jesus told them that the disciples are going to go away they're going to strike the shepherd and the sheep's going to run Judas just wander off somewhere. They don't even know where, where he went. They'll probably deal with the money. There was, again, confusion and fear. And Jesus is telling them, do not let your heart be troubled. Stop having your heart be bothered by this. Believe in God and continue to believe in Jesus. Christ calls them to a path of peace by acting on faith. And that's the same thing that for you and I. Christ calls us to a path of peace by acting in faith to the Lord. This isn't Jesus offering some sort of platitude. Jesus is speaking truth and is giving them answers to their fears. You know, I don't know if you've ever had people in your life where you just depend on them completely. You can take them by the word, like whether it's a family member or a really good friend. No matter what happens in your life, you can say, okay, at like four in the morning, I'll call them. If I, if I was in jail, they'll come bail me out. Guarantee. They're, they're that kind of friend. You know, even in, even in those really cool and deep friendships, there is a limitation. right? That, that person might die. That person might not get your phone call. There, there are certain things that that person may not be able to do. But God isn't that way. We worship the eternal God jesus christ is saved yesterday today and forever he is the object of our faith and that's why we don't need to we don't need to tremble or be troubled by the world events so will you trust in jesus will you take jesus at his word whether not just with covid but just everything else in life whether it's your job you're struggling financially or your plans in the future your dreams all of every aspect of your life do you trust in him and if you do then why do you fear as christians we when we see all this COVID stuff or wars or whatever we understand that this is just a part of the fallen world and if something was to take our life so be it because we know that this world is just a mere vapor it comes and goes but eternity with jesus that's paradise and that's where we want to be again this isn't a call to be reckless i'm not telling you to like run around with that mask or, you know, whatever. You can do all those things for the glory of God. Honor whatever health code that you feel is best. Go for it. That's fine. But your internal person, you should not be afraid of it. But I know there are some people who don't want to return to church or any in-person or outdoor service because, again, it's not even because of the mask or the vaccine. It's just something in them. They're just saying, I cannot do this. Out of fear, they're crippled by it. And I want you to know that you don't need to be. Because of Jesus Christ, you can be fearless. You can have joy and just live for the glory of God. How can we overcome fear? It's not by looking at online debates and, and, and forums or anything like that. It's not looking, watching the news and meditating on what's going on in the world. Just trust what God's word has to say. Look at verse 2. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Where I go to prepare a place for you. This is a clear reference to heaven. Uh, he's saying that um, I'm going to my father's house, and in my father's house there's many dwelling places. Um, I really like the NAS translation here when it says many dwelling places. Some people translate "father's house" to like, you know, a mansion, and there's many rooms. And I understand what, that's, what that what the idea is. Um, but I like the idea of dwelling place. Because I think when we think of, like, rooms, uh, Martin Luther translates this as flats. Like, he's very European that way. He's, oh, this is, my, my father has many flats. Like, okay. Um, and different people translate different. But I, the idea here is that heaven is a place that you can dwell with the Lord. You're dwelling with the Lord. This is like back in the garden again, where Adam and Eve can walk around, and he, they're in the presence of God. That's the idea here, that Jesus is, is preparing this, this beautiful and lovely place for them a place that is perfectly suited for God's children. Jesus wouldn't tell a lie, so what he's going to do he is, is going to happen. He's going to prepare a place for them. And I think in the context here, he's speaking about how he's going to go to the cross. He's going to prepare a place for them by dying on the cross for their sins so that if the, if they place their faith in them, him, then they will reach this place, this dwelling place, this paradise. Now, understand when he, you know, Jesus is saying, in my father's house there are many place i'm preparing he, yes jesus is a carpenter but he's not actually in heaven right now like you know nailing and building and you're cutting wood and everything and that like you know building stuff that's not what he's doing right now this is speaking in terms of salvation that we because as christians we have a place that the lord has already prepared for us back then in the, in the greek and even jewish culture they <coughs> Back then, the parents, when they have a kid, they would raise them in the home. And then once the kid grows up to, of age and they get married, they expand. They build like another wing in the house for them. Uh, and then so the parents are in like one ha- part of the house and the, the kids are another part. And once they grow old and they and their kids, you know, they have kids, they grow old and then their kids get married. Then they'll build another ha- part of the house. So it kind of expands in that way. That's supposed to be the imagery here, that in Christ's place, there, it's, it's this infinite amount of place that we can dwell together with the Lord. And that's and that's what they're trying. That's what Jesus is trying to convey to them that I'm going to make a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you that you can be with me and with the Heavenly Father. Heaven is actually closer to us than we think, because every day that passes, the Lord is either drawing nearer to us because you know He's He's returning and can potentially rapture us, or we're going close to Him in terms of we're getting old. Uh, Romans chapter thirteen verse eleven. Do this knowing that the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. You understand that salvation, every single day that passes, you're getting closer and closer to the place that the Lord has promised us. Now this, again, this heaven, this place that Jesus has prepared for believers, it's only a great place if you realize that there is is nothing in this life that can give you the satisfaction of being with jesus because the only reason why we're afraid of death sometimes is because of the material thing that we lose oh i'm not gonna go watch that movie that i like to watch i'm not gonna be able to spend time with my friends and and and, you know those things are shallow reasons but some of them are legitimate reasons you know i i don't want to die right now because i have kids i don't want to die because i need to take care of my parents who's going to take care of my loved ones when i'm not there Listen, there's a sense in which we need to be responsible to those loved ones around us, but at the same time, you need to not overemphasize your importance in this world, because Jesus loves your family more than you can ever love them. Our God can take care of your loved ones better than you can ever take care of them. And I understand that fear, like, okay, if I get sick, if I die from COVID, what's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to my wife? What's going to happen to my parents? Trust in the Lord. The Lord will handle it. You don't even have to worry about it because you're in glory. You're not even going to be thinking about them. But the Lord will take care of them. The Lord will watch over his people. And even if they're not believers, the Lord still reigns on the wicked as well. He still blesses them. God will take care of them. God will provide providentially and supernaturally for those in our lives. So there's no fear in us. Our lives, everything in our life must be held with a loose grip. Our life itself must be held with a loose grip. Whatever you think that your life is worth, it's going to go away the moment death comes. So don't hold on to this life. Look forward to the life that we will have in heaven. Is there too much for you to lose? Is going to Jesus something that, that's going to make you feel like, oh, I'm just not worth it? And I think that's this attitude that some of us have because of COVID. We feel that this is a threat to our happiness. We feel COVID is a threat to our happiness, so therefore I don't want to die. I need to overcome this so I could get to my happiness. But if Jesus Christ is your greatest desire, then COVID could just be a means for you to get to Jesus. Or if the Lord wants to stay keep you here, great, praise the Lord. Wherever the Lord wants you, whether you're alive or dead, uh, that's where the Lord wants you to be. God is in complete sovereign over your life. Heaven is our destination. The greatest fear that we have doesn't grip us the way that it grips the world. 1 Corinthians 15 reminds us of this important truth. Paul here in 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of the resurrection, about how we'll have a new body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 reads, When the perishable will have to put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your where's where is your your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. See, it's because we know where we are going to be that we can work hard and for the uh, and for the glory of god in this life that we can we can enjoy this life we can evangelize we can go to work we do whatever the lord, the lord has uh, placed us to do and we can do it without any fear if you're called to go shopping this week if that's your job go for it if you're an uber driver you drive people drive you don't need to worry wh- whether or not the person's going to give you covid because god is going to ultimately decide whether you live or die and death is already conquered because of jesus christ Early on in this pandemic, I heard this news report of a guy in New York. He had some preconditions that allowed him, that basically made him very vulnerable to the COVID virus. And he and his wife basically made this makeshift hazmat suit for him. Like they made, they, they like wrapped him up like crazy. And and at the time they were wiping everything down. So when they went, they, they were like looking down the street, they said, okay, it's clear, now you can go down the stairs. And then when they got downstairs, when they opened the door, they would, you know, put Clorox, Clorox wipe the door and then they walk out and they wipe everything everywhere and then they go to the store and they come back and then they'll like they'll take out all their clothes throw it in the washing machine and then they'll do it all again this was their life they're just so paranoid about everything then one day he got sick and they were freaking out they're like how is it possible we did everything that the cdc told us this is before the vaccine everything else they didn't understand like did they go through the vents do we need to start closing the vents what's happening and they didn't understand where the crack in their armor was Look, like you, can, you can never be too careful or you can never be prepared enough. If God wants you to go, you're going to go. Believe in God's timing of your birth and your death. Ultimately, your life is in God's hand. There's nothing that you can do to add a day to it. Job chapter 14, verse 15, it reads this. In describing Yahweh. This is, what is, this is how Job speaks in describing death. Job chapter 14, verse 15. You will call, and I will answer you. You will long for the work of my hands. And, oh, sorry, that's Job chapter 14, verse 5. I was wondering, okay, this is weird. Okay. Since his days are determined, the numbers of his mouth is is with you, you mean with the Lord, and his limits have his limits you have set so that he cannot pass so god has sovereignly already decided when you're going to die and no matter what you do you cannot cross that line you cannot go beyond that if god says you're going to die in 15 minutes you're going to you're not going to get to this 15 point 15 minutes in one second that's how god is sovereign over your life and that's a good thing for us as, for, as christians right that's because of the fact that we have eternity in the lord we don't need to worry and then more passage that speaks about how God's in sovereign control of our life, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13, or James chapter 13, or James chapter 4, verse 13-15. Remember that passage about how you know you plan your whole day thinking that it's gonna happen. You think of what oh, you're trying to do business, and then you have no idea that God in this particular time is gonna take your life. We understand that COVID is not the ultimate decider whether you live or die. It is only God that decides that. And if God wants you to go, you'll go. And at the same time, if God wants you to live, you will live. No matter how much the statistics go, no matter how much the studies show that if you do this or that, then you're going to get harmed, you're going to get COVID. It doesn't matter because God is ultimately the one that can decide when you live or die. Verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there is you may be also. This is a promise from our Savior that he's going to come to, to get us. He's going to come and get it. He's going to prepare a place for us. He's going to gather his people. Jesus promised that he will come back. And this is not a new concept. This is what goes all the way back in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 7 um, says that. Uh, Psalm chapter 2 says the same thing. Let me read to you from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. Daniel chapter seven. This is a, this is Daniel's vision of the future, and it's about how the Lord is going to return this this the Son of Man. And here, here's what it says Daniel chapter seven verse thirteen to fourteen. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, the cloud clouds of heaven, one like a Son of Man, was coming. He came up to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and every and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is everlasting; uh, is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. See, Daniel had this vision of the future of how, when Jesus comes, we're going to have this ha- paradise, and this paradise is not going to go away. And this is the same promise that's referenced in Psalm chapter two, as well, as Acts chapter one, verse eleven, when Jesus ascends up, and the angels saying, "Hey, don't worry." Why are you still here? Go do your job that Jesus tells you. Jesus is going to return one day in a cloud as well, just like how he left. Again, this should be assurance to us. This is not a new doctrine. This is something that the Bible speaks of, that Christ will return one day. There should be no doubt that God's word is true. Again, this is why when I reference Romans chapter 13, verse 11, that Jesus is closer to us now than he was yesterday salvation becomes closer and nearer to us every passing moment your doctrine shapes your life your theology shapes your life this past week um one of uh, pastor henry's classmate was this relatively famous pastor uh was disqualified well he was discovered he was, he was disqualified a while ago but all this stuff kind of came into the surface And he held to a view of sanctification with basically what we call free grace, like all I need is just accept Jesus into my heart and believe in him and I don't need to work out my salvation, I don't need to fight for holiness. That was his theology back when he was in seminary with Pastor Henry, and you can see now the fruit of that, where if you say like I don't need uh, to strive for holiness and live a godly life. Then you're, not, then you're gonna wreck your life. This person apparently had this affair with some baseball player's wife and then it just basically ruined two families. Your theology shaped your life. Now, this is a, just, a, just as an illustration for us to understand that your understanding of heaven is going to impact the way that you live day to day. How you, li- how you understand heaven and what happens after you die will make your life either very miserable because you're afraid of what's gonna happen or joyful, because you know that to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For the Christian, we should be like Paul in Philippians, where he's just kind of torn between two worlds, right? He's stuck between a, hard, a rock, uh, a rock, and a hard place. In one sense, he wants to be in the world to, to evangelize, to, to make disciples, to care for those that are here. But at the same time, to be with Jesus is far greater, and that should be our tension. It should not be because oh, we want to stay here, because we want to live as uh, live however we want in this life without Jesus. Because we know, as Christians, that there is something better for us. Whatever delight that you want to have, whatever pleasure or life that you think is going to be be heaven is infinitely greater. Draw yourself to Jesus. Draw yourself to the only hope that is in Jesus Christ. Our gaze must always be fixed onto Jesus. We need to keep our eyes up onto heaven and look to our Savior. How you see death is... It is going to, uh, is related to how you understand God's promise. Failure to look at Christ will make you be devoured by the fears of death. It's kind of like when Peter, when he was, you know, walking on water for those little moments, you know, he looked around and saw the waves, and I imagine these little fishies, and even whales are looking at him like, hey, how'd you do that? Like, your ducks are like flying by like, yo, you see this guy, Peter, he's walking on water. The moment he was, see, when he saw the wave he kept his eyes off Jesus, that's when he starts sinking. And I think that's a good illustration for us to understand that the moment you draw yourself away from Christ, that's when you will start to sink. But if you fix your eyes on Christ, that's where your assurance and your security will lie. To not trust in Christ for eternity and life is 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 going to. That's the real cure if you want to make yourself joyful in this life. You know what's interesting, though, when we think about Scripture, we are all for passages like John 3:16, like, "Oh yeah, salvation by faith through grace, and you know Jesus coming into the world, dying for our sins." We're all for that. But how can we say that we take John 3:16 seriously and not John chapter 14 seriously? You know, how can we? We can't nitpick part, uh, word passages of Scripture. We'll hold on to these aspects of God's word and not these other ones. You know those aspects, the the other verses that. Um, that you might not hold on to, those are ones that, uh, that you need to hold on to to, mo- to more because that's when it's, your theology is tested. Do you truly believe that life after death is better? Well, how that's going to impact the way that you live your life. You cannot cherry pick which part of Christ's promise that you want to believe. And look, again, I'm not saying be reckless, but I am saying just understand that there is a logical progression in when you think about COVID. Let's say if you did get COVID, and you died as a christian what is the logical conclusion heaven right so if that's the case is that a bad thing and it shouldn't be as christians if we truly believe in passages like this in john chapter 14 that there should be no fear we should not be afraid of death we should be joyful as christians to you know do whatever the lord has permitted us to do is your hope based on christ or what's going on around you do based on how you first need to do. you, you based on how you fight fear. Based on what's going on around you, or what is, or what is revealed to us in Scripture. Heaven is where Jesus is, and it's not here or anywhere on Earth. Paradise is wherever Christ is. Don't be preoccupied by world events, but rather we need to saturate our minds with God's Word. Saturate your mind with god's truth this is romans chapter 12 verse 12 renew your mind right philippians chapter 4 verse 6 to 7 i think some of you are very familiar with this passage you might even have to memorize it when you were in like you know one or children's school or by a children's church philippians chapter 4 verse 6 to 7 be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Truth is what you need to com- to over to combat and overcome fear. And I submit to you that if you truly believe that God has is preparing a place for you, that, that the word of Scripture is 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 true and everything about it is true, that God is drawing close to us. As, we're, as every day passes by, if we understand all of these truths, then there should be no fear of death, Christians, we must not live in fear. And whether we return, and some of you guys might be wearing masks, and you might do social distance or not, whatever, that's fine. But in your own heart, you have to overcome that fear. You have to let go of that fear, trade that fear in for faith, because God is protecting you, and he will protect you, and even if he preordained that you die a certain time, Praise the Lord. Then that means it's a homecoming for you. You need to not be afraid of what's going on around you. And and I know that this COVID thing is is, you know is novel, is new to us. But nothing is new under the sun. We as Christians have a unique opportunity to live in this unique time, and we can be a good, an awesome testimony to the world when we live in complete joy and trusting the Lord. We're not afraid. We're not again. We're not going to be a bad testimony. But we're not afraid. When people are nervous, we can explain, and they're wondering why we're not nervous, we can explain to them it's because of Jesus Christ. Like even atheists at some point in their worldview is going to hit a roadblock. They're going to have to wonder, they're, they're panicking, they're worried about everything, because they don't know how to deal with the trials in life. That's why they go to therapy, that's why they have, you know, all these medications, because they, they don't want to deal with the reality. But as Christians, we live sober-mindedly, and, we're, and we live in the spirit, and we walk in the spirit, and we're joyful people. The fears that we have can be snuffed out if we focus on the promises of God. If you have a genuine, true salvation, that there is no loss to you. You only gain Jesus Christ. Don't fear and live for God and for his glory. Now, for some of you, the reason why you do fear is because you don't have a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Passages like this and John 3.16 doesn't matter to you. You just hear because you want to to find a spouse or you're trying to find some sort of self-help. That's this is not the place for that. You're here, and the reason why this church is here is because we're the pillar of truth. We're here to teach you about the one true God, how Jesus Christ came into the world and dying for his conquering sin, so we do not need to be afraid of death. Then he died on the cross and he rose again three days later. All of this is fulfillment of scripture. And if we place our faith in him, we have comfort for not just this life, but for all of eternity. And if that's you, if you're always afraid, and I want to challenge you, do you believe truly in the word of God? Because if you don't, then it makes sense why you're afraid. Because you don't fear the Lord, you fear everything else. And what you do need is that fear of the Lord in your life. But for us, others that are believers, live joyfully and live fully for the glory of God. Let us pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word and your promises. We know that You are a good God. And Lord, all our doctrine, all the things that we learn are constantly being tested because of what's going on in the world that we live in. And we're, we're thankful for that refiner's fire that you're revealing to us. Do we truly believe what you've revealed in Scripture? And Lord, I hope that for the brothers and sisters that are here, that you'll help them overcome their fear by looking to you to remind themselves that the truth will ring true in their life, that they can overcome any type of skepticism or doubt or anxiousness knowing that you love them and you're taking care of them lord i do hope that for us as a church that we live in such a way that gives a shining example and light to the world that makes them confused on why why we're so at peace with everything is because we're primarily at peace with you lord for those who are listening who do not know you i pray that you use this message to convict them to show them that their fear is there because it's not, because their life is not anchored in you and your truth. Lord, I pray that we can continue to strive to live in such a way that is honoring to you. And Lord, we're thankful that we're able to actually um, return and, or slowly return. And I hope that you will keep this COVID uh, virus at bay and check. But Lord, even if you allow it to mutate and allow it to go worse, Lord we're thankful for that as well. We understand that all trials is for our good and may you use it to sanctify so that we can long for you and be more like you during these very confusing times. Thank you for your word and pray that we can apply it to our life not just this day or this weekend but every day Lord your son's precious name. Amen. Just a few quick announcements. Um, Some of you are aware that we are we have our children children's outreach event on july 31st the same time veronica's out there so we'll be praying for you hopefully you'll be praying for us on that day as well um but uh we're if we have a lot of volunteers so if you still want to volunteer it's still open i think we have a end date soon uh, but if you have any friends that have kids that you know that are not believers you want to invite them out please uh, invite them out too you can send them the link it's on our website uh, again that day is july 31st next week we're gonna have a little treat and, and two two treats one is that the high schoolers are coming up. Um, I announced last week that, hey, we need some of you to help them assimilate into our ministry. I know that, you know, for high schools, they're so used to hanging out with just each other and maybe the the counselors, and the counselors are, like, a lot older, but then now we're kind of like, there's a lot more of us. It could be intimidating. I know some of you were intimidated when you came up here. Um, So this is really a way to help um, give them comfort and, you know, help them transition into the fellowship. Uh, This is a in a lot of ways this is the uh, an adult fellowship it's not they're not in high school anymore they're <laughs> legally an adult so we want to treat them as such but you know they're they're new a lot of them are, are aware of us um just because some of them are your siblings and some of you guys are just friends because you know you're older than them uh, but you know if you're interested in trying to help them um, you know you get to know them some more uh let roger know he, he knows all the high schoolers names and he can get you connected with them also next week, uh, we're going to have a Q&A with Bill and Kathy. Uh, some of you sent some questions in, and some are, I, I think are very good questions. So keep it up. Uh, I'm going to be the arbiter. I decide which questions I get asked. There are no dumb questions, just dumb people, and that's not none of you. Don't worry. You guys ask great questions. And I think it's very telling because it tells me, and even you know eventually Bill and Kathy, that you guys are really deep thinkers, that you're really thinking critically and seriously about life. And the questions I think reveal that. So you know, if you have any other type of questions that you want to ask, please send those in. Uh, I think Alex sent the email out last week for that. I look forward to doing that Q&A with you guys, and I'm sure Bill and Kathy are nervous about what, how, you know, what the questions are going to be, but it'll be fun, it'll be fun. Uh, with that said, uh, please just enjoy the time of fellowship. If you want to learn how to support Veronica, she's here, and if you want to be part of KitKat, Nathaniel's here as well. Thanks for listening, and uh,